Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Sam Fonestock, and I am the discipleship pastor here at New Life. If this is your first time today, I'd like you to know that we've been praying and preparing for you, and we're very excited that you were able to join us in worship. And for everyone here, I just want to thank you all for joining us. Today being New Year's Eve, it's a day that we all could have very easily decided, hey, I don't want to wake up early. I'm going to be up late tonight. I'm just going to chill out at home. But you chose to come and to worship and to praise God with us, and I thank you for coming. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, Christmas is my favorite time of the year. I love the cold weather. I wish we had had colder weather. Um, I love the gifts, but mostly I love spending time with my family. Every year, I take the week after Christmas off, and it's kind of like a family staycation. We do things at home like playing board games together, going out to eat, just having a fun family time. It's an escape from the day-to-day for me. An escape is the concept we're going to dive into today. But the word escape can have a lot of different meanings and, and different connotations. So here's how we're going to talk about it today. Escape is something we do to get away from our normal circumstances and everyday routines. So escape is, is a temporary leave from the norm. It's, it's like a vacation or a getaway. But it doesn't have to be a multiple-day excursion where we're leaving the norm. It can be something as simple as going out for an evening while your parents watch the kids, or hanging out with some friends watching the game, going for a hike. An escape doesn't have to mean that you're leaving something bad. It doesn't have to mean that you're trying to get away from something that's not going well. Jesus told us that rest was created for us. He knew that rest was something we would need in our day-to-day lives. And so no matter whether our day-to-day is going well or going poorly, rest, escape, is something that we need. And that brings us to our take-home point Our take-home point today is the one point that this whole message is focused on. Escape is not about what we escape from, but who we escape to. So the goal of escape isn't trying to get away from something. The goal of escape is trying to get to something or to someone. But before we dive into this a little deeper, let's pray. God, I thank you for this time you've given us this morning to come and to worship you, to praise you, God. God, I pray that today that your words will come through my mouth, God, and that that everything that we talk about here today, God, is your will, your guidance. God, we thank you for this blessing of rest that you've given us. God, I pray that you'll teach us your desire for how we should rest, how we should escape, God. And I pray that everything today you lay on our hearts so that we can be better servants of you. God, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. So my family doesn't take a lot of vacations. It's not something we've prioritized over the first 15 years of us being a family. But about four years ago, we were going through some difficult things at home. And so my wife, Brittany, and I decided that we needed a vacation. 
So in December, we booked all the accommodations, we planned out the travel, and in early January, we were off to Great Wolf Lodge. Now, if you know Brittany and I, you know that going on a family vacation with only a month's worth of planning is just not something that happens. It's got to be on our calendar for at least three to four months before we even consider it. Our idea of spontaneity is going out for a spontaneous family dinner next Saturday. (laughs) This past week, we had our yearly planning meeting where we sit down and we discuss what we would like to do and our goals for the next year. So naturally, the week before last week, Brittany was planning our planning meeting. And so going on a vacation with only one month's plan is not something that happens for us. The reason it happened so quickly is because we were focused on what we were trying to escape. We were focused on escaping the difficult situation at home rather than being focused on what we needed to escape to. Now, we see a good example in Scripture of escaping to something in the life of Abram when we first meet him in the book of Genesis. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. So God had called Abram to leave the city he was in named Haran. Now, the scriptures don't tell us what the situation there was. We don't know if Abram was having good times in Haran, whether he was struggling in Haran. But what we do know is that God told him to leave without even telling him where he was going. And so at this point, Abram could have very easily focused on what he was leaving. He had built a home there. His family was living there. He had already moved once in his life to get to this city. So Abram very easily could have focused on what he was being asked to leave. And yet he chose to focus on who was calling him to leave. You see, Abram chose to focus on the promises that God was giving him, the promises that he would be blessed, the promise that through Abram, all families on earth would be blessed. Abram knew it wasn't about what he was leaving, but who was calling him to leave. Now, Abram's journey was a permanent one, but we can learn a lot from the lessons that we learn here and apply it to our temporary escapes. Now, I like questions. I think we can all learn a lot by asking questions, especially when we ask good questions. And so today, as we dive into this concept of escape, we've got three questions that we're going to ask and answer. The first question is, why do we want escape. Well, one reason that we want escape is that we all have an internal yearning to return to the Garden of Eden. Last week, Pastor Alex gave us a beautiful picture 
of what Eden was like before the fall. Adam and Eve, the first humans, lived with God in the Garden of Eden. They walked and talked with God. Heaven and earth overlapped in the garden, and people dwelled in the perfection of God's kingdom. In Eden was perfection. It was the ultimate fellowship of humans with God, the creator of the universe. But we humans chose to break that fellowship. Adam and Eve chose to go against God's will, and so we've been kicked out of the garden. But even today, we still have that yearning to return to that perfection and closeness that we had with God in Eden. John, in the book of Revelation, reminds us of that and gives us a picture of what is to come through Jesus Christ. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. We long for that place, that place of closeness where we have that ultimate fellowship with God. We long for that place where grief and crying are no more. And so we seek that through escape. We seek escape, we seek times where we can get away from the struggles and exhaustion of the world. But escape is not about what we are escaping from, but whom we are escaping to. And so we can never have that closeness or that peace that we had in the Garden of Eden without God. Without our escape being focused on God, we'll never even have a glimpse of that fellowship that we seek. And that brings us to our second question. What does escape from something look like? Well, when we're looking for escape, whether it's escape from a long week, a stressful work environment, a difficult family situation, or even just the day-to-day, we often have things that we go to. Sometimes it's a cup of coffee and a good book, or maybe it's watching the game with some friends, or even a hike through the woods. No matter what it is, we often have things that we go to, things that we enjoy, that we use as escape. And honestly, most of these things are not inherently bad. When we line them up with Scripture, as long as they're not against God's will, these things are just hobbies. God wants us to have hobbies. He wants us to have things to do that we enjoy. But the problem comes in when we use these hobbies as an escape from something. In most of those situations, our hobbies can become entanglements. And the difference between a hobby and an entanglement is our energy. You see, a hobby gives us energy. When we participate in our hobbies, we feel refreshed and energized. I love 3D printing. About six or seven years ago, my wife got me my first 3D printer, and I haven't looked back since. I love finding new fun things to print. I love it when friends have projects for me to print for them. 
I love making sure it's configured properly, the model's right on the bed perfectly. In fact, this past week for Christmas, I got a couple new board games, and the first thing I did, instead of opening it up and reading the rules, is look for things to print for these board games. (laughs) When I pull the print off the printer bed, I feel refreshed and energized. I feel renewed. But on the other side of that coin are entanglements. You see, when we use our hobbies to escape from something, they become an entanglement. And an entanglement is something that drains our energy. In the book, Don't Burn Out, Burn Bright, Jason Young puts it this way. Entanglements weave their way into our lives and eat away at the emotional energy we have to give to our work. That's where modern burnout comes from. Not from physical exhaustion taking out our bodies, but rather from emotional exhaustion. The way you recharge your emotional energy is through rest, but entanglements prevent us from resting. So those 3D printers I just mentioned, those can very quickly become an entanglement for me. If I've had a particularly tough day at work, sometimes I'll come home and I'll go straight to the printer. I'll see what's printing and inevitably find something about it that I don't like. So I'll have to stop the print, I'll have to readjust the settings, clean the printer, get it printing again, watch it to make sure that it's printing the way I like it now. And afterwards, I just feel exhausted. I feel exhausted because I've used this activity to escape from something. It's become an entanglement for me. And these entanglements often consume our minds. These entanglements cause us to neglect rest. They cause us to to neglect responsibilities, even to neglect relationships. Our hobbies that charge up our energy can quickly become entanglements when we use them as an escape from something. And what makes this concept of escape so difficult is that escapism can often simulate rest. You remember the vacation I mentioned that we took to Great Wolf Lodge? We had a lot of fun. The kids had a blast playing in the water park. They had some other activities there that they enjoyed. We enjoyed going out as a family and finding new restaurants for dinner. But we came back exhausted. We came back exhausted because we had used that vacation to escape from the difficult situation at home rather than escaping to time with our family and time with God. Have you ever returned from a vacation feeling more exhausted than when you left? I mean, there's a reason the phrase, I need a vacation for my vacation exists. When we use our escape, our vacation, to escape from something, it drains our energy. Because it's not about what activity we use for escape. It's about the focus of our escape. Is it to get away from something or to get closer to God? So what are your hobbies that have become entanglements? Do you reach for your phone in every moment of downtime? 
Do you block out your friends and family who are there to enjoy the game with you and focus only on the game? Do you run to your 3D printer after work to mess with it, knowing that your kids are waiting to play with you? These entanglements, as they drain our energy, can also enslave us. Paul warns us about this in the book of 1 Corinthians. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So these activities, these hobbies that aren't inherently bad, when we use them to escape from something, they become our master. They enslave us. And so what's the solution? How do we have an escape that actually renews our energy? How do we have an escape that is focused on God? Well, that brings us to our final question for today of what does escaping to God look like? Well, first, let's look at God's definition of escape. In Exodus chapter 20, God has given Moses a set of commandments for the Israelites to follow. We often call these the Ten Commandments. And one of these commandments is on the day of rest or Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Did you notice the phrases there, to the Lord your God, and declared it holy? God made it very clear to us here that our Sabbath, our rest, is to be focused on Him. Now, the Hebrew word that starts that passage that we translate as remember is the word zahar. And that word, as it's used throughout the Old Testament, typically has a concrete demonstration of remembrance to it. For example, God uses it when he talks about remembering the Israelites in their captivity. And that concrete demonstration of remembrance is when God begins the process of their redemption. And so for us, as we remember our Sabbath, it's a concrete demonstration. It's a thinking about, it's a doing something about our rest. It's remembering and seeking God in our rest. But how do we do that? How do we have that active form of rest where we seek God? Well, first, rest, escape, requires discipline. Now, God had many reasons why he gave us a rest, why he commanded us to have a rest every week. I mean, our bodies are fallible. He knows that our bodies need rest, but not just our bodies. God knows that we need rest, and he knows that rest requires discipline, and discipline requires repetition. 
How do professional athletes build the discipline in their bodies to be able to perform at their peak every game? Through discipline, through repetition. One of the things I love to do every September is go to at least one of the Penguins training camp practices out in Cranberry. I love the fact that I get to be there close to the players, watching them and and seeing them. I take my oldest son with me, and and it's just a fun father-son time. But what always amazes me about this is watching them do the same thing over and over again. They don't stop after they get the puck in the net one time. They take shot after shot after shot because they know that discipline requires repetition. And the same goes for our rest, for our Sabbath. Sabbath requires discipline, and discipline requires repetition. We don't stop resting because we've had one successful escape to God. We do it over and over again to build that discipline. Because discipline requires repetition, and discipline is active. We don't gain discipline by just thinking about it. Those players don't gain the discipline in their body by just thinking about shooting at the net. They need to do something about it. And we need to do something about rest. The current Jewish practice of Sabbath is a great example of this. Their Sabbath is active and relational. They choose to do activities that allow them to have room to focus on God. They choose to have a Sabbath that is focused on escape to God. Biking and running can be great examples of activities that leave room for God. Now, biking and rest don't seem like they would go in the same sentence, but biking is a great activity for active rest because it leaves room for God. While you're biking, you have room to think, to pray, to reflect on God. And so that makes biking an escape to God. You see, active rest is an activity where your brain has just enough to keep you occupied so it can't wander easily to the things that stress you out. Now, sometimes to make an activity an active form of rest, it just requires intentionality. Escape requires intentionality. Biking as an escape is great, especially if you do it every week. But if you're not intentional with that time of escape, it can very quickly become an entanglement. And the same goes for our rest, for our Sabbath. Having a Sabbath every week is great, But if we're not intentional with that time, it can become an activity that drains us. It can become an entanglement for us. So we need to be disciplined and intentional with our times of rest. We need to plan activities that leave room for us to focus on God. My mom's side of the family has a cottage in the Allegheny Mountains outside of Johnstown. I remember going there many times over summers during my childhood, and now we'll take my kids there occasionally as well. I loved being there. It's honestly one of my favorite places on earth. At times in my life, I've considered living there, 
Before I worked here, my job allowed me to work fully remote, so I could have just gone up there and, and worked. But I chose not to because I realized that I loved being there because it provided me with an escape. I got to do things at my cottage that I didn't get to do anywhere else. I got to have active, restful activities that left room for me to have time with God, to have time with my family. My family and I make it a point to go up to my cottage once or twice a summer, and we do it with intentionality. See, we have no cell coverage there, we have no Wi-Fi there, so we have no choice but to be intentional with our time. And we love it. We get to do activities there as a family that leave room for us to focus on each other and to focus on God. And guess what? When we come back from that time, we feel refreshed and renewed and energized because we've used that time as an escape to God. This all sounds great in theory, but if we're honest, it can be hard. We have so many things in life today that keep us busy. We are constantly bombarded with things. The world tells us that busyness is good. And if we're honest with ourselves, when something comes up, rest is the first thing to go. There's always another email to answer. There's always another project that needs done or another chore to complete. And places like my cottage can be great because we have no choice but to be disciplined and intentional with our time. But escape in our day-to-day lives is so much harder. Yet we need that rest. We need that escape. And that's why discipline and intentionality are so critical to escaping to God. Now, escape in our day-to-day lives is going to look different for each of us. Some of us may be in a season of life where we have the opportunity to go on multiple vacations throughout the year. Some of us may be in a season of life where we're lucky to get one day of vacation a year. But remember, escape does not have to be a multiple-day getaway from where we leave. Escape can happen in our day-to-day lives in so many different moments. We can all make times of escape in our day-to-day lives through prayer and reflection. Whether that's driving in the car, getting up out of bed, or even in the shower. We have so many opportunities, whether they're long or short, to make times of escape in our day when we focus on God through prayer and reflection. With discipline and intentionality, we can turn all sorts of moments in our day into moments of escape. And so, no matter what season of life you're in, we have opportunities to build escape into our lives, escape that is focused on God. And that brings us to our next step today. I will escape to God rather than from my circumstances this year. Yes, that says this year. 
I know typically our next steps are focused on something we can do in this upcoming week. But we're in a time right now where most of us are looking ahead to this new calendar year. Tomorrow becomes 2024. And so we're often looking at what we would like to happen next year. We're looking at planning or New Year's resolution. And so our challenge as we look into this new year is to make disciplined and intentional times of escape, times of rest, be part of your norm. It won't be easy. But the more disciplined we are, the more repetition we put in, the more ingrained into our life it will become. But we can't have this escape to God without a relationship with God, with His Son, Jesus Christ. Here at New Life, we say it's simple but not easy. It's as simple as ABC. A, we admit. We admit that we chose to break that fellowship with God. We are sinners. We chose not to do all of the things that God has asked us to do. And we cannot save ourselves. B, we believe. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We believe that Jesus Christ chose to leave heaven. He chose to die on that cross and rise again to save us from our sins. And see, we confess. We confess that we want Jesus as our master, our owner, our Lord and Savior. And so here in a moment, I'm gonna pray as if this is the first time that I've prayed that prayer. If you're here today and you long for that escape that energizes you, the escape that brings us back to that peace and perfection of Eden. Pray these words with me, but it's not the words that are important. It's the heart. It's admitting that we are sinners and we need a savior. It's believing that Jesus is that savior, that he died and rose again. And it's confessing that we want him as our savior. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this time this morning. I thank you for teaching us about your rest. God, I admit that I am a sinner. God, I admit that I broke that fellowship with you. I admit that I cannot save myself. But God, I believe that your son Jesus chose to die on that cross and rise again for me to save me from my sins. And so God, I confess that I need, I want Jesus as my savior. I want Jesus to be my master and my owner so that I can have that escape, that peace that only comes through relationship with him. And God, for those of us here today that have already prayed a prayer like that, God, we thank you for the blessing of rest. God, I pray that as we come into this new year, that you will give us the discipline and the intentionality that we need to have rest that focuses on you, to have a rest that energizes us, 
to serve you, to serve our families, and to serve our community. God, we thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.